What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. I'm your host, Drew, and thank you for making me part of your week. In this upcoming episode, I'm going to talk about my final thoughts and opinions on the Buffalo Bills' fantastic season, and I'm also going to give a little progress report for the first eight games of the Buffalo Sabres, so stick around and let's have some fun. All right, we're going to jump into things here, and we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs game. We're going to go over my end-of-the-season thoughts, and I'm going to go over the game a little bit. I'm not going to go super in-depth, but I'm just going to go over the keys to the game that I had for the Buffalo Bills, and I want to see how they did match up against them. Some of the keys, the first key to the game I had was you have to contain... Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes is healthy, you're not going to stop him. There are very few teams in the NFL that can stop Patrick Mahomes. The only team that beat Mahomes this year were the Raiders. And that's because Carr played unbelievable. He was very, very good in that game. Do you think that the Bills contained Patrick Mahomes in this game? (laughs) Not even close. Mahomes went 29 of 38 for 325 yards and three touchdowns in this game. The Bills were on their heels from start to finish. The defense was in complete and utter disarray from the very beginning of this game. And that spelled disaster for the Buffalo Bills. The second thing that I said needed to happen was that... One of the other things I said that needed to happen was that the Bills needed to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes because he had a bum foot and he's coming off of a relatively serious-looking injury against the Cleveland Browns, one that knocked him out of the entire fourth quarter. The Bills didn't do any of that. They did not get pressure with their front four. They didn't even get pressure when they blitzed him. They didn't even get close to Patrick Mahomes in this game, and that was a huge key that I think the Bills failed. The Bills didn't even get close to Patrick Mahomes, and I obviously know that you can't really address it during the season, at least this late into the season, but it is something that needs to be looked at very closely in the offseason. You have to have somebody that can get after the quarterback on a relatively frequent basis. The Bills don't seem to have that guy. You have an aging Jerry Hughes who showed flashes at times, but that was really it. You didn't really have a guy that would get in quarterbacks' faces, knock him down, pressure him. The Bills didn't have that guy. And Patrick Mahomes would sit comfortable in the pocket for most of the game, and when they did get a little bit of pressure on him or when the the secondary was good enough to lock down the the. The wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, would just roll out, create some chaos in the defense, and then complete a pass downfield. The next thing I said is they needed to not let Travis Kelsey beat them. He is coming off of the best season that a tight end statistically has ever had. And did the Bills do that? No. Not even close. And that surprised me a little bit, considering the fact that the the first time around, the Bills really did a very good job on Travis Kelsey. Now, I know it was essentially like a monsoon out 
when the Bills played the Chiefs in Buffalo. But they really did a great job. And I honestly, when you go back and look at it, I think that that game plan that they came up with was take the ball out of Mahomes' hand. Make them think that they have to run it on you. They did that, and it worked perfect. Patrick Mahomes didn't beat you. Now, the running game torched you, which is fine, but it made the score manageable and it made the game closer. It made it not seem so much like a blowout. And I know we're not playing to not seem like it's a blowout, but to keep the game close in an AFC championship where in a fourth quarter anything might be able to happen, that would have been huge. The Bills weren't able to do that in this game. And Travis Kelsey ate them alive. I said you have to to stop Travis Kelsey. You have to not let him beat you. He went 13 catches for 118 yards and two touchdowns. That sounds like not just beating you, but destroying you. He just beat you to sleep. And it was hard to watch. Play after play, Travis Kelsey was getting open and Patrick Mahomes was finding him. And I'm sure that's what happened to opponents all year long. And schematically, maybe the Bills were trying to take away Travis Kelsey, but it just didn't didn't work. The one other thing that I said the Bills needed to do was score, score, score. And the Bills had opportunities to score in this game. They had opportunities to score. They had a couple of really good drives that kind of got stalled inside the 10 where the Bills had a fourth and the fourth and gold one I think was a fourth and 3 and Sean McDermott elected to kick a field goal both times that is something that simply cannot happen we cannot steer away from what got us to this point and what got us to this point was being aggressive you have a quarterback that was in the conversation for MVP And you didn't trust him to get three yards. Not only could he have passed for three yards, but he could run for three yards. He could scramble for three yards. If the play broke down, he can make three yards. If there's anybody in the NFL that I would trust in that situation, it's somebody like Josh Allen. We got away from the things that made us successful. We got away from the things that that got us to that point. And that was one of the undoings for the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship game. And it was really a tough thing to watch after all year of being incredibly aggressive to simply draw back, pull on the reins late, this late in the season with so much on the line. It was, a, it was a tough pill to swallow. We're going to move on to some final thoughts, but I'm going to try something new on this podcast and I'm going to introduce another voice on this podcast. And since he can't be here with me on a regular basis, which I would love, I would honestly love if he was sitting across from me and we were doing a two-person sports podcast for everyone, I think it would be super fun to watch and, and participate in. I thought that it would be best if he recorded himself and then sent me the recording and I put him in the show. This new segment is going to be called Nickel City Sports Corner. And this is my buddy Mark from Nickel City Sportscast. Hey everyone, welcome to the debut of the Nickel City Sports Corner. My name is Mark, and I didn't exactly envision starting things off with the Buffalo Bills losing in the AFC Championship game. 
Alas, here we are, and if I'm being honest, I'm at peace with it. Nearly 20 years of failure and mediocrity will do that to a fan. However, we had a season jam-packed with fun and exciting football that exceeded expectations. And in a year that was filled with fear, chaos, and uncertainty, the Bills gave us a bit of normal. But with a twist. Because you see, the Buffalo Bills, our Buffalo Bills, were good. Hell, they were great. And Bills Mafia, despite what transpired on Sunday, shouldn't lose sight of that or faith in their team. The Bills are heading in the right direction, and given how far they've come, I have full confidence in Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean to keep the good times going in Western New York. I'll leave you with this. I'm sure by now you've all seen the photo of Stephon Diggs postgame, standing on the field watching the Chiefs be presented with the Lamar Hunt trophy. While he hasn't commented on why, it's clear to anyone what he was doing out there, taking mental notes, as we all should right now. Because while this may hurt, and it does, what doesn't kill you only makes you more dangerous. You see, the Bills and the Mafia have now gotten a taste of success. And once you have, there's no turning back. Good enough. Or having to settle for second best. Gone are the years of legends like Kelly, Thurman, Reed, and Bruce. This is a new age. A new team with new leaders who will rise to the challenge in 2021 and have vowed to make their return. And the Mafia will be right there with them, every step of the way, just like we always have. The season may not have ended the way we had all hoped or envisioned, but damn, it was a fun ride. I know I'll be ready to sing, shout, and smash tables when the time comes, and I hope you all will too. So thank you to the Buffalo Bills for a season we'll never forget, and and here's to being number one in 2021. Let's go, Buffalo! I hope you guys enjoyed that because I want to do that a little bit more often. I want to inject another voice into the show and then kind of riff off of the things that he's talking about. So with his final thoughts, I'll give you my final thoughts. And my final thoughts kind of coincide with his a little bit. The season's come to an end. And I thought that I would be a lot more upset than I was at the end of that game. Even though the Bills were embarrassed on national television... I thought to myself, man, that was a fun ride. That is what it's like to be a fan of a winning team, and it was incredible to watch. The Buffalo Bills gave us an incredible season and a a very needed distraction from everything that is going on. The Bills had a season full of making history. Stephon Diggs was the first ever Buffalo Bills wide receiver to lead the league in catches and receiving yards and has the most single season uh, receiving yards in Buffalo Bills history. I know that the season, we wish the se- that I was doing this podcast and talking about the Bills playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all the cool storylines that would have went with the Bills playing Tom Brady in the the Super Bowl and getting over the hump and beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. But alas, that was not to be. But the Buffalo Bills gave us a fantastic season. All said and done, even though it was a very, very tough way to end the season, the Buffalo Bills season was incredible. How it ended does not take away from all of the amazing things that were accomplished during this season 
And I have no doubt that with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott at the helm, the Buffalo Bills will be back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now that the Buffalo Bills season is officially over, it is time to start focusing more on this shortened season that the Buffalo Sabres have. The Buffalo Sabres coming into this year looked on paper to be a lot better, in my opinion, than they were last year. Now, there were still some things that people wanted addressed. Excuse me, but we'll talk about that. So we're going to do a Sabres progress report. We're eight games into the Sabres season right now, at the time of this video. And through eight games, the Sabres sit three, three, and two. They are on pace for 56 points and have gotten points in six. They have gotten six of the last eight points available to them. They sit in fifth place in the East Conference. As you know, they shuffled the conferences and made them more geographical if you watched the last video. The Sabres sit in fifth place. Just one point out of being in that last and final playoff spot. The top four teams from each division will make it into this year's NHL playoffs. The Sabres sit just one point out of those playoffs. They sit just five points out of first place overall. And now in a shortened season, if you go on a run in the NHL, you could either distance yourself from the rest of everyone else or you can make up a lot of traction. You play each team in this conference eight times. The Sabres are going to play each of these teams eight times. And usually it's back-to-back. Not like a game yesterday, game today, but like back-to-back games. The Sabres' last two games were against the New York Rangers. The Sabres this year, it just feels different. Maybe it's just me, but they just feel different. They don't feel like the same old Sabres. They feel like they have an opportunity to win every single night. Like, that's how I feel about this team. I feel like when I watch them, like, I I almost expect them to win. In years past, that's not necessarily been the case. Not for the last couple years, anyway. I feel like this team could win any single game, and when they get down in a game, I don't think to myself, well, that's the end of this one. They have been playing through the first eight games very good hockey. All the numbers, if you're an analytics nerd, all of the numbers point to the Sabres playing a very good brand of hockey. I'm more of an eye test kind of guy. They look pretty good in most of the games. Thursday night's game, that was the exception. They looked like dog shit. They got beat from start to finish by the New York Rangers, but guess what? They still stole a point out of that game. They got outshot an insane amount. I think through two periods, the Sabres had nine shots on goal, but the Rangers only led two to one. The Sabres got a goal in the third period, took it to overtime, and then a bad giveaway by Ikes, and it ends up in the back of the net. One of the question marks coming in was Linus Olmark, and he played stellar. But we're going to get into him in a little bit. 
With more veteran leadership, it just seems like this team doesn't get rattled quite as easily as it did in years past. You have guys like Stahl and Hall that have come in that have been in the league for a very long time, and they're able to settle some of the younger kids down, whether it be Rasmus Dahlin, whether it be Dylan Cousins. You know, they seem to, to settle these kids down a little bit and help them kind of get over some of the mistakes they may or may not make during the game. The Sabres this year, their penalty or their, their power play has been absolutely lights out. Has been lights out. Over 30% for the year so far in the first eight games. I think they've scored power play goals in like the last four or five games. And they le- they have two legitimate lines on the power play now. They don't just have one top-heavy, loaded power play unit where the second power play unit is just a bunch of scrubs mixed with Jeff Skinner. They have two legitimate power play lines now that are both dangerous and both can score, and that has done tremendous things for the Buffalo Sabres. If you take a penalty against the Buffalo Sabres, you could be in trouble. However, on the flip side of that, If the Sabres take a penalty, they're still going to be in trouble. One of the things that they brought guys like Eakin and Ryder in here for is the penalty kill. Unfortunately, through the first eight games, it has not looked that good. They are still under 80%, and they're still in the bottom third of teams in the NHL in terms of penalty killing. So the Sabres definitely need to pick that up if they are going to be successful this year. Now, let's talk about through the first eight games. I had very high expectations for a lot of these players in 56 games, especially with the additions of Hall. With the addition of Hall, I had uh, high expectations for Eichel. I thought he would take his game to another level. Through the first eight games, Jack Eichel had been a little bit snake-bitten in terms of goals. He hadn't been scoring a lot of goals. He's been getting the opportunities. He just hasn't been burying them. The last two games, Eichel has two goals in the last two games. He sits through eight games, two goals, seven assists, nine points. Victor Olofsson continues to show that last year was not a fluke and that he is a legitimate top six player. He has three goals, four assists, seven points. Taylor Hall went on a bit of a a skid there after six points in his first three games. He now had a point in this last game against the New York Rangers. He has a goal, six assists for seven points. And Sam Reinhart being elevated back to that top line. Eichel, Reinhart, and Hall, barring this past game where they switched Hall and Olofsson, they look dominant. Hall, Eichel, and Reinhart look like a a very, very dangerous top line when they are all playing a uh, very... when they're all playing at the highest level. This past game was not a game where they all played at the highest level against the Rangers, and yet they still all came out of there with a point. Reinhardt had two, Eichel had a, had a goal, and Hall had an assist. They are all very, very good players, and they are a very dangerous top line. Put them up against any top line in the NHL, and they are right there with any of them, in my opinion. The bad news is they still have Jeff Skinner buried on that fourth line. Does Ralph Kruger still has him buried on that fourth line? And that 
is making a lot of people upset. That's ma- It's made me upset, but the thing about that is Jeff Skinner, even though he has one point in eight games, which is an assist, he has been getting chances. He has been getting grade A chances. Obviously, he's not getting the ice time that you would get with an Eichel or even a Stoll, but he is getting chances playing with Curtis Lazar. Curtis Lazar is a former first-round pick, so he's not playing with a bum. Curtis Lazar does have skill. Curtis Lazar actually has two goals and an assist for three points in eight games. The only thing is, you're you're paying the guy $9 million a year to do the one thing that he is really good at, which is score goals, especially five-on-five, which is something the Sabres are struggling doing. It's almost counterproductive. Uh, Dylan Cousins looks like every bit of a top-six forward that everyone thought he would be. I had reservations coming into the season, and so far, Cousins has proved me very wrong. I had reservations thinking... Maybe this is going to be another Casey Middlestat situation where maybe he needs another year of development. Middlestat should realistically have played all year last year in the AHL and then maybe competed for a spot this year. But Cousins looks every bit of a top six forward that the Sabres drafted in the top 10. He has been very, very good. Now we talked about before where I said Olmark looks every bit a number looks every bit a number one. He does. Olmark in his game so far this year, they didn't the Sabres didn't upgrade goaltending, but Olmark, I, I thought he had a really strong year last year, a bit inconsistent at times, but I really thought that he had the potential to be a solid number one goalie. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you he is an all-star, that he's going to just play lights out Andre Vasilevsky type goalie, but I do believe that he is a solid starting goaltender, and the Sabres can make it to the playoffs with him as the starter. And last night, this last game against the Rangers, it showed. He played lights out, and he stole a point for the Buffalo Sabres. So far in this season, Olmark in five games is 2-1-2. and two with a 2.51 goals against and a .915 save percentage. That is up from last year again. And he continues to grow and build. He is still a young guy. I feel like people were just giving up on Olmark and not remembering that goalies take a little bit longer. Goalies actually seem to hit their prime right around 27, 28, and they play well into their 30s. Linus Olmark... Well, again, I'm not going to sit here and beat you know beat the drum for him, beat the table for him, and say, make him your all-star number one goalie. I'm going to say he is a very solid, competent starter. The question marks on this Sabres team are a couple. I think the defense has actually played really well. A lot of people have complaints about it. They, they have some hit-or-miss games, of course, but overall, I thought they, they I, I believe they have played pretty decent. Five-on-five scoring is an issue. Again, you have your best five-on-five scorer on the fourth line. That's not helping anybody. The Sabres continue to seem to struggle to score five-on-five. A lot of their goals are coming via the power play, which has been completely unstoppable lately. But the biggest problem, I think, on this team is going to be the backup goaltender, and that is Carter Hutton. 
Now, they had an opportunity to get a couple of other guys. Carter Hutton is making a lot of money, so I don't think that they just wanted to dump him. This is his last year on the contract. And I think that they wanted to see if if Hutz maybe with some better eyes, he had LASIK surgery in the offseason, maybe could see the puck more. Maybe he would play better. That's not the case so far. Carter Hutton in three games is one and two with a goals against of a 2.66 and a save percentage of a .899. That is the troubling statistic right there, the .899. You want Carter Hutton to realistically, I want him to realistically be .905 to a .91. And I think that that would give the Sabres enough saves to win a handful more games. And that is the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs this year. Overall, the Buffalo Sabres, they have been playing well. They haven't always gotten the results at 3-3-2. But I think that as the season goes on, the fact that they're in every game, the fact that they're right there, the fact that they look good in most games, even though some of these guys were snake-bitten and not scoring goals, I think the Sabres are, are building towards something, and I think that they could go on a little bit of a run here. And I really, really hope that that is the case because I don't want the Sabres to set the NHL record for most seasons without making playoffs consecutively. But that's going to do it for this episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends, tell your family. They can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, Anchor. They can hit me up on Twitter at Sports Talk Buff One. That's Sports Talk B U F F One on Twitter. They can email me at sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com or sportstalkbuffalo at gmail.com. Let me know how you're feeling, if you have any topics you want me to talk about, anything like that. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Have a fantastic week.